Respect. Sevome. Respeto. Spoštujmo. Respect words. Ithiki dimosiografia ja tina dimetopisi tis ritorikis tumisus. Etično novinarstvo proti sovražnemu govoru. Il potere delle parole. Respect for Worten, respect for Menschen gegen Hassreden. Hello and welcome to Respect Words, our weekly programme on hate speech and ethical journalism. I'm Alan Bradish and this week we deal with the topic of hate speech and discrimination against the travelling community. Later in the programme we'll be talking to Martin Collins of Pavi Point, but first we're joined in the studio by Owen de Vardoon, board member of the Irish Traveller Movement. You're very welcome to the programme, Owen. Thank you very much for having me. So, um, we'll, be talking, we'll, we'll be talking with Martin a little later on and we'll be talking more generally about uh, hate speech against the travelling community, which is a, a huge topic mm-hmm. and um, probably the, the, probably the, the biggest area um, of discrimination and hate speech in the media. It, it, to take Ireland as a, as a sample case, it's probably the, the one that has the, the longest the longest history and the most unpleasant history. I, I think so and I think that for Ireland as we consider it a very liberal country, it is certainly very liberal when it comes to I suppose the diminishing of the people's identities and I suppose placement within society when they are, happen to be a traveller. Hmm. But before we get on to that, maybe we might talk about something that's a bit more positive. We were talking about this a little earlier, which is that the 1st of March, the, the anniversary that's coming up very uh, very soon, it's the anniversary of the state's recognition of um, travellers' ethnic minority status. It is, or also sometimes interpreted as the, um, the start or the end of ethnic denial for uh, the travelling community. So maybe um, no, you're going to talk to us a little bit about that particular mm-hmm. anniversary and, and what's going to be happening, but perhaps we could take a, a little bit of uh, the background. There was a very long campaign um, to achieve this recognition, wasn't there? Tremendously long, and I think that for many people within the community, it would have started essentially in 1963 when, it, when we had the, the National Itinerancy Report that was published at the time that more or less interpreted travellers as being a, uh, a broken, settled person. And um, the systematic, I suppose, I suppose, implication around the policies and the progresses and how we interpreted our community and how our community was interpreted by the vast majority um, still has its heritage and still has its ongoing, I suppose, issues and problematic uh, processes that affect travellers on a day-to-day basis. So this, this kind of recognition is the, is the start of something that has been long called for. And how did we get from that position in 1963 to where we are now? Work hell of a lot of work a hell of a lot of time effort community voice um, there was a resistance not to leave the table until people actually were heard and collaborative approach as well that our community could not have been or kind of I suppose as was celebrated or in the, the process being celebrated if we'd not had that collaborative approach but I think that it's a testament to travellers that the, the three principles remain of who you are is that travellers travel when it was possible that um, regardless of the inability or the removal of those uh, those rights and protections or magic activity the travellers remain travellers and the third is that we're not going away and that resistance and that empowerment of our identity has shone true so much so that the state did thankfully I suppose start the process of recognition of who we always recognise ourselves to be. Hmm. Did, do you think there was um, th- there was a change from the state's point of view or was it very much having to, to force the state's hand o- over those years? I, I think there was a compa- 
combina- combination of, of, of different levels and different areas. I think that it'd be nice to see it was just a sweeping kind of g- gesture of change, but it wasn't. It was, it's a wide spectrum of, of needs, interpretations, I suppose, misinformation, kind of a really heartfelt and honest kind of interpretation of the community and having to, to na- navigate our ways through that through multiple levels did take time and continues to take time. But it's something I feel very hopeful for, for the future. Mm, okay. And do you think that uh, society in general has moved along with that process or I- is there a way to go? Oh, there's a tremendous way to go and I think that there will always be a way to go until travellers have their own personal voice within the within this was the collective sphere and also have the empowerment around politicisation kind of media and actually I suppose moving away from our stereotypical view or over celebration of you know, the wonderful traveller and actually recognising ourselves as being ordinary wonderful people from a very diverse community that is Ireland mm. Now part of that will be um, as we uh, intimated earlier on um, the anniversary uh, of this recognition so um, or the removal of the denial so what's what's coming up on the 1st of March? Well it's actually quite exciting on the 1st of March from um, 11 to 5pm in the Royal Hospital Camenum we're going to have an incredibly exciting 40 piece programme that's covering everything from um, art uh, as it calls painting music literacy kind of um, uh, arts and crafts uh, which is going to be a drama programs. There's going to be a bit of everything, but the main focus would be family and kind of being open to kind of children and the wider community. We're very, very much saying that the place for travellers within the, within the community is for everybody, and everyone is very much, very much welcomed uh, along to celebrate who we are and this, I suppose, start of a new adventure. And a lot of the a lot of the items that you've mentioned, a lot of the um, parts of that celebration, are probably not things that stereotypically people will think of um, when they think of the travelling community. So do you think that's a, that, is that an important part of oh, the I process? Think, I think very important part. A part of it as well has always been is it's people allowing themselves to, to listen to what travellers are actually saying because we're not short of speaking. We, we, we're very vocal at times about who we are, what we are, kind of our own diversity and sometimes there's a, a veil of silence between what we're saying and what people actually are open to hearing. So I think the best way to discover who we are and what we are and kind of where we are within our overall collective society is to spend time with us. Is to, is to see the dynamics, the the, the polarization, the kind of the, the power that's in play, and uh, to allow yourself to be a bit more open to that the world is m- far more beautiful and diverse than sometimes we assume it to be. Hmm. We're going to talk a bit later on ab- about the, the more n- negative aspects of the way the media has portrayed the travelling community. But do you think I think there's perhaps something Im- implied in what you said there about uh, how the media attempts uh, in a more attempts to give a more uh, positive, uh, more positive impression, impression of the community, but still doesn't quite get there because it's still um, the media taking it upon itself mm-hmm. to portray um, the travelling community rather than actually empowering the travel travelling community to speak about itself or or, or to give them that platform. To oh speak yeah, I, I think exactly it is, or, or to allow travellers to claim that platform for themselves. There there is attempts in the past, but I think sometimes it's, there's the overemphasisation of, of ethnicity on the path of a traveller, and which it itself is incredibly important, but it also removes the person from being an individual, and which unfortunately overinvests itself in stereotypes and expectations that may have nothing to do with a person. So sometimes the the what the real ask is not not to interpret or give you a critique of who I am or who our community is, but actually just to, to, sh- to share a communal space and where we can all actually be heard as the equals that we are. Mm. 
Now, this the the second item we were going to talk about uh, the, at the start of the program was the the uh, 2017 ESRI report. Now, I know um, there was a certain concern that the AAS that that particular report had not taken into account. Uh, it, it dealt particularly with um, the issue of education. Mm-hmm. Um, amongst the travelling community and I know there was a particular concern that it did not deal with um, a decline um, or a cut in funding to certain services so now that we're I think we're now nearly a year after that particular report um, do you think that um, that weakness has been borne out in the report or do you think it's been uh, it's been addressed since then? No, I, th- I think it's a testimony on, unto itself into a record because here we are again a year later with knowing that the issues that we're experiencing with travellers still remains. I think one of the main topics I always found very interesting would be the the lack of use of ethnic identifiers that thankfully we're moving towards. For instance, we couldn't chart, and still can chart, how many travellers are actually progressing from primary school to secondary school to leaving search bar from our censuses, which we know that from the 2012 census, 17 thousand travellers did not declare themselves and when in fact they did in the RGL's health study report. So even with the information that we're using, there's gaps in it. So if we were looking at towards these potential gaps that would be very damaging not only to travellers but to the wider collective because of, of removal of, of people and the potential that we need to actually start identifying the solutions that we have long since called for and start implementing them rather than creating new ways. So is there anything, are there any particular changes that you think could be made at the moment to to help to improve how those things are recorded and reported upon? Well, there would be, I think what is lost to the community would be the, the I suppose, the, um, the in 2011 there was a reduction of uh, all additional educational sports for the uh, for the travelling community. When I say additional, I do actually mean additional, which is including the travelling teachers. Now, that programme itself was somewhat pro- problematic, but it was a programme of support that did provide a lot of, of opportunities and doors for travellers that once was removed was not actually replaced and I think that's we're moving towards a more prosperous time and actually looking back at the community and how it has been affected and learning from the, if you remove a service there is the onus upon yourself to actually do something else rather than saying the community will survive. If we're saying that like 9% of travellers do um, only 9% of travellers actually complete um, secondary I suppose aspect of the formal education why? Now we're saying this through high and the kind of we, there's the, the suppose that niggling doubt that travellers don't in invest or want I suppose the protection and the opportunities that education brings rather than going we're human especially for children like the idea would be everybody wants the best for their family so if, if children are not progressing to higher levels of education there is a reason a real legitimate reason and it's up for us to actually start listening to people and start removing those boundaries because at the end of the day we are talking about people rather than a title Okay, thanks for that. Um, In a few moments we'll be joined uh, by Martin Collins of Pavi Point Traveller in Roma Centre. But before that we're going to hear a short discussion between Aoife Cook and women from St Margaret's Traveller Training Centre. And we'll be hearing from Anne McDonough, Kathleen Riley, Anne McDonnell, Mary and Mary Maughan. And the uh, short clip we're going to play is about the movie Pavi Lachine. So uh, Aoife first asked the group about their first impressions of the movie. It was good. Yeah. But I don't think it's true to real life with the travellers. There is a lot of truth in it, but discrimination in this. But I still found a lot of it was false. All right. So what, well, what was the truth in it first? Well, the truth was about the discrimination by walking into shops, yeah. being ignored by the staff, being followed around the shops. That would be based on true. Hmm. But um, 
There was parts of that film that were just stupid. And so the bits that you said were through then about being followed around shops, is that something that you've seen travellers experience? Oh, I've seen it happen, yeah. 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 I've seen it happen. So then you were saying that uh, there was stupid bits in it. Is that something that the, the rest of us here thought? The part that I didn't like about it is where she got into the clothespins. Yeah. And she was taking out all those stuff and this'll do my sister and this'll do such a one. And then riding down along the road on the bike. Yeah. Getting off, road taking up other people's rubbish. Yeah. Showing them up, saying this'll do, or this might do my mother, this might do my sister. Yeah. I thought that was, that was terrible. Yeah. And why? What's so terrible? Like, is that not something Be- kids would do? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I, <laughs> to me, it was, I, to me, it was pure discrimination, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. What do you think people watching the film would think when watching that? Would well, it make we're all like th- we're all the same. Yeah, I think it's Sean Travers in a bad light. Yeah, there's a lot of Sean Travers in a very very bad light. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the other part about the young the the, the young fella with the bags of glue. What happens? Describe that bit of the film. He was uh, he was in this little pl- place and this this same young woman went up and um, was talking, but she tried to tell him that it was wrong that he shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And then she ends up getting a fight, getting a fight with him, trying to get it off him. Mm. She was trying to more or less, like, talk him out of it. That part was good. Yeah. And was, uh, and was there anything in the film that you uh, enjoyed? Or did you, your first impression of watching the film, you'd see quite negative well, things in it? Back to the part where discrimination in the, in the shops. Yeah. Like, travellers being followed around. Recently, a couple of months ago, I was actually in a well-known shop. Yeah. And a group of boys came in, and they were just in around buying stuff. And a security guard had a cheek to tell him, um, tell the other security man that there was travellers in the shop. Yeah. And straight away they start following the lads around the shop, even though they're in buying things. But I, that, that's what I overheard in the shop. <clears throat> that there's travellers in the shop, and straight away that was as if they're st- going to be stealing straight away, putting them down to be like a, like a bad, like a ne- like a bad kind of thing. Yeah. That's why I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't like that now. Like, because I was, an, I was another traveller in the shop, which they mustn't known I was a traveller. Yeah. Why could I overhear him saying this? So that part of the film is quite true to life. Yeah. That was Aoife Cook and the women from St. Margaret's Traveller Training Centre discussing the movie Pavi Lakin. And you can hear the full panel discussion on NeuroFM's podcast site. Just search for Equal Billing, Episode 9. And now joining us on the phone is Martin Collins of Pavi Point Traveller and Roma Centre. You're very welcome to the programme. Martin. Thank you very much. So, um, and we're still uh, joined by Owen de Vardoon of the Irish Traveller Movement. So, earlier on in, in the programme, Martin, we were um, discussing the anniversary on the 1st of March of um, the recognition of ethnic minority status for the traveller community and we were talking about the ESRI report from 2017 and so we, we started off the programme with a slightly more positive approach but perhaps we might um, talk to you a little bit about how the media has tended um, to treat the um, the travelling community in the past. Um, how what, what, is, what is the history as far as you're concerned um, of that treatment? Well, in terms of media coverage, it can go uh, one of two ways. Uh, first of all, the media uh, potentially could have a role to play in challenging uh, prejudice, stereotypes, and, and indeed racism. Uh, but unfortunately, in our experience, uh, as in the travel community, 
it has gone the other direction. In other words, uh, the media, by and large, with some small exceptions, has tended to uh, reinforce uh, prejudice uh, and stereotypes and, and indeed uh, racism. And, and and to be quite honest with you, the whole um, law in this area and 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 and, and legislation is, is woefully uh, inadequate. Um, there's need for stronger legislation and standards and safeguards to uh, protect uh, vulnerable groups uh, from from the onslaught of, of racism and stereotyping. Um, because at the moment there isn't any of those, uh, you know, they're not adequate and, and they're not fit for purpose. And to be fair, to be fair, I think there's a recognition by everyone uh, that this is the case. And I would even suggest by government, because there is a commitment uh, by the government, uh, particularly in the uh, migrant um, integration strategy. Uh, they've committed themselves to reviewing and, and, and upgrading their law in this area. So there is a recognition, to be fair, by everyone that the laws need to be straightened and need to be, need to be made more effective to ensure that, that you know, hate speech, hate crime and racism is, is effectively dealt with. Why do you think that um, that, that has been the case? Is it simply sloppy journalism or, or do you think there's, there's something more behind the way the media has, has, has tended to act? I think some of it uh, is sloppy uh, and uh, journalism, maybe lazy uh, journalism, people taking shortcuts, uh, making assumptions. Um, So that obviously is a concern. But also what's more uh, concerning to me and indeed my community is that some, you know, journalists and some presenters actually use their their uh, privileged uh, platform to espouse effectively, uh, you know, their own racism, uh, and and you know, really at the stroke of a pen uh, or a never an irresponsible comment, you know, they can do a lot of damage to to, to people's reputations and people's perceptions. Uh, so I think some of it is sloppy uh, journalism, and that highlights the whole area for anti-racism training uh, and so forth. Um, but also, I think some some journalists, in, in my experience, you know, I'm almost 35 years now involved in the travel movement, and I've seen I've seen some journalists who have deliberately uh, promoted uh, and espoused uh, uh, racism. Uh, you know, and you know, you know, cast your mind back there a couple of months ago. There was a, there was a, an article written by uh, you know an Irish journalist. Uh, it's in the public domain. You know, uh, Kevin Myers where he wrote some very derogatory comments about Jew- Jewish people and uh, and he was lambasted for that and, and rightly so because it was it was it was hurtful and it did constitute racism as many commentators at the time suggested he was forced to apologize and he also lost his uh, he I think he had a column in the Irish Times in the UK and he was dismissed from that but you know that journalist has written uh, articles about travellers going back over the last 25, 30, you know, 25, 30 years, which were, in my opinion, very, very racist. And nobody blinked uh, an eyelid. Nobody really cared other than travel organisations. You know, and I think what really that highlights... Why do you think that was, Martin? What, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, well, in my opinion, I'll tell you why I think it was. The, the racism in this society towards travellers is so deeply ingrained in the Irish psyche that it has become normalised and acceptable to say and do things about the traveller community that you wouldn't say or do 
in relation in relation to other communities. Uh, now that's not to say you know that there isn't racism directed towards other other communities. Uh, there is unfortunately. But having said that, I, I I think you know the narrative around racism towards travellers has become normalised uh, and deeply ingrained in the Irish psyche that people really don't question it. You know, it's fair game when it comes to travellers, and 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 that's obviously very uh, worrying. You know, and and that has to be that has to be addressed. But the only way to look at, in my opinion, that that these issues can be addressed is through strong, effective uh, legislation that's fit for purpose, that holds people to account when they, uh, you know, express racism or prejudice towards travellers or indeed any other community, or if travellers experience discrimination, you know, in terms of access to services and so forth. Uh, look, we can have education and we can have information, and they're, they're really important, but we also need legislation. You know, so th- there are a number of strands uh, in, uh, in terms of tackling uh, this deeply embedded racism in the Irish psyche towards okay. travellers. Okay, I think Owen has a few comments to make on what it you was, just said, Martin. It was more or less just kind of the very strong information towards what Martin is saying is that at the moment the only um, law that I'm aware of is the prohibition to incitement of hatred act from the 1989, which is incredibly, incredibly weak. That leaves a huge gap around the insufficiencies um, to protect our communities, to signal to the people who, who I suppose engage with both kind of hate crimes and discrimination that it's not acceptable, but also to to, to reinform the state and its structures and its policing and its, I suppose its practices that these are acts of actual barriers towards people, not just travellers, but to a whole wild spectrum of people that eventually needs to actually be legislated. The, the rule of thumb would be kind of go loud or go lawful. And at this stage, like, we've been educating, educating, we've been reinforming, we've been kind of creating all these other platforms. But that law is still gapping. And until that law actually, I suppose, gets pushed forward and actually to embrace and embrace mature Ireland, we are going to see the continuation of suffering from a wide array of individuals. Hmm. To bring you back in uh, to the discussion, Martin, are there any very, very specific things you would like to see introduced to Irish legislation that would change the situation? Well, there is. Well, owner's right. Uh, The legislation or the legal framework that's there at the moment is the 1989 uh, Prohibition of Incitement to Hatred Act. And I think since that act was introduced in in 1989, there were only five successful convictions in that 30-year period. And I, that in itself, the evidence highlights how inadequate and how ineffective that legislation is. The fact that only five successful prosecutions were taken underneath that act. So, so that speaks, you know, that speaks volumes. Um, so, yeah, as I said, to be fair, I think there's a, an all-round recognition that you know the law needs to be, uh, you know, new laws need to be introduced uh, to effectively address uh, hate crime because hate crime and, and hate speech is. is, is very unlike any other crime. Uh, so, for, for example, if I'm on the street and I'm racially abused, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not just me, Martin Collins, who's suffering that racial abuse. It's actually an attack on the whole community. The whole community are are devalued and are traumatised. Uh, you know, that's what a, a racially motivated uh, or hate speech is. It's an attack on the community. It's not a, an attack on Martin Collins or, or Owen or anybody else. It's not individually focused. It's attack on the community. And I think uh, uh, Dr. Amanda Hayes, who is a senior uh, lecturer in sociology at the University of Limerick, spoke about how unique that, you know, uh, hate speech is because it is an attack on the community and, you know, depression sits in, uh, suicidal tendencies, uh, you know, uh, uh, insomnia, uh, uh, you know, 
all of this, uh, all of these uh, are manifestations of, of, of hate speech and hate crime, which is an attack on the whole community. You know, a whole ethnic group is being devalued, being demonised uh, and, and being stereotyped. By, by the majority population, so its effects are quite are quite uh, quite you know um, uh, serious uh, in terms of all these illness which 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 uh, set in. So look, all I can say at the end of the day is that we need we need strong effective legislation, and in the absence of that, I think people from minority ethnic groups, including Travers, would be very are very reluctant to report what they perceive as hate speech. Uh, in the absence of effective legislation because they have more faith in the system that it will effectively and adequately deal with the issue. And therefore, hate speech and hate crime, generally speaking, goes unreported. It's not, it's not recorded, it's not counted. So the stats that we have, are everybody would acknowledge, is a gross underestimation. For example, in, in 2016, INAR, the European Network Against Racism, as part of their uh, race re- reporting uh, mechanism, they recorded 245 reports of racist crimes, you know, but mm-hmm. they will tell you themselves, you know, that that's a gross underestimation of what the reality is, because people have no faith or confidence that the system will or is capable of adequately dealing uh, when they report uh, such incidents. Uh, so you know, so there are a, there are a whole lot of other consequences yeah. uh, in the absence of, of effective legislation. So as I said earlier on, we can have education, information. We can have training for media outlets and journalists and the general public and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, what you also need, and more fundamentally, in my opinion, is strong effective leg- legislation that will prohibit and hold people to account if they express uh, racism or you know uh, or engage in hate speech uh, or hate crime Okay Martin Collins of Pavi Point thank you very much for talking to us Thank you very much uh, We're just going to finish off now um, Owen it, 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 it struck me um, talking um, to Martin there that that the problem of reporting and, and the problem of getting faith in the system is, is one that must be a very very slow process is is there any way that that process can be speeded up or expedited because c- clearly we we can't have a, a situation where we're you know we're taking 10 20 years to to build a trust the problem with building trust as you know is that um it only takes one or two incidents um for years and years of trust to be, to be the most is there any way we can expedite that in, in in your opinion well i mean the the quick and efficient um the implication of it would be as was suggesting would be to actually uh, to enact the outstanding hate crime legislation as, as the number one step mm-hmm. Which is quite clear and quite easy and quite doable, but I think regarding kind of the, our media representation and how that kind of that that message is being communicated, we need to avoid reducing kind of problems and experience the travellers' experience within the community just to our ethnicity. We need to strive for nuanced kind of coverage that goes beyond representing travellers as victims or criminals. We need to give visibility to actual travellers themselves, make sure that we can communicate through our own voice. And we need to avoid mentioning ethnicity in news reporting unless it's actually essential to the story. Otherwise, we're actually, we're just furthering a negative association and the implications of 
these other kind of problematic issues rather than honouring people as people. And I think that it's, it's something that we can all start today either on our social media, kind of in our lives when we have people present with kind of minority or traveller stories, that it's not something that we need to have a grand gesture for. It's something that each one of us can take responsibility of and work towards, put place pressure on those in power to actually t- to do what's been kind of clearly outstanding. Okay. Um, Owen Devardoon of the Irish Traveller Movement thank you very much for talking to us and thank you very much also um, to Martin Collins of Pavy Point um, who we um, spoke to just a few uh, few, moments, uh, few minutes ago uh, that's all from Respect Words for uh, this week um, we will be back at the same time um, next week so until then thank you very much for listening Etichno novinarstvo proti sovražnemu govoru Il potere delle parole Respekt vor Worten, Respekt vor Menschen gegen Hassreden. A tisztelet hangján szólunk. Riportok, interjúk, tudósítások a gyűlöletbeszéd ellen. Mi becsüljük a másikat. Respekt. La onda local de Andalucía contra los discursos de odio. Más or oko? Irish or oko, etikul, iguina kainta fuha. Ethical journalism against hate speech. Respect words. Respect words. Respect words. Respect words. Supported by the Rights, Equality and Citizenship Programme of the European Union.